Hi friends, welcome to episode 10 of Legal Content Chat. I'm very excited today because I'm joined by an actual professional. Not that my previous guests haven't been professionals, but today's guest is a podcast professional, so that makes her quite unique so far. So those of you who don't know me, I'm Becky Whitaker and I am a legal copywriter. So that means that I write content for blogs and for websites and for people in the legal space, whether that's businesses, lawyers or legal tech companies. So that's a little bit about me. I'm going to go to Holly in a moment, my special guest for today, and we're going to be talking about how you can start a legal podcast. And I know this is a very hot topic at the moment and lots of people are interested on how to get going with this. So that's why Holly is here. So without further ado, Holly, off you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was a grand introduction. <laughs> I'll introduce myself, but I'll just say I record hours of podcasts every week and I'm never in the hot seat, but I tell you what, it is nerve wracking being in the hot seat. I don't like it. <laughs> is it is it hot? Is it hot? Yeah, it's super hot. I'm normally in control, but I don't know what you're going to ask me. So. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> in the same position, it's fine. It's just a conversation, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I'm Holly. I used to be a lawyer for a number of years. And now after a very bumpy journey, I am doing podcasting for lawyers, legal professionals, law firms, and I'm absolutely loving it. It's the most fun job ever. Awesome. You're also a digital nomad as well. So tell us whereabouts in the world you are now, because I thought you were somewhere where you're just not. You've moved on since we last spoke, I think, which was yesterday. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's true. Have you ever seen the film Catch Me If You Can? Yes. I'm basically that guy, but minus the money laundering fraud and all the other like illegal activity, like just get rid of all that. I'm just the guy who just moves from place to place. So right now I'm in Madrid, but yesterday I was in Barcelona. <laughs> Lovely. I'm very glad that you put that in, that you're not in the money laundering game because that would be slightly awkward on a legal podcast, wouldn't it? Yeah, just like I'm not money laundering, don't you worry. Yeah, brilliant. So tell us about, um, about your history. So what um first of all what area of law were you in first of all when you were back in the day oh so uh, a few different areas I started in personal injury then I went on to immigration because I felt like I'm a traveler I love to know about different visas and stuff so I thought let's go into immigration so I worked in immigration for a number of years helping people get visas for the UK and that's an area that I absolutely love and still keep up to date with and stuff and you know I've got my own visa for Spain and whatnot so so that fit very well with me and then I moved on to um, investigating money laundering and fraud which was also super interesting so I kind of changed around a bit because I wanted to learn about different aspects of law but I figured out that it wasn't the law it was just working in law firms that I didn't particularly like and being um, you know attached to that nine till five working um pattern which I didn't particularly like so I thought let's get out of that and do my own thing so that's in a nutshell why I moved on from law I see and knowing you as I do now I can't really imagine you doing the nine to five life in a law firm in one place I just is literally like the polar opposite of what you do day to day now 
I know, I know. I literally move from place to place. I'm on trains. I'm editing podcasts on trains. Like I was literally editing a podcast on a train. And for a second, I forgot where I was. And then I like, you know, because you get into this bubble, you get used to working literally anywhere. And then I like got out of my like bubble and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in the middle of like the random countryside in Spain, like looking at the hills going past. I was like, this is just crazy. But yeah, it fits me. I think I was born a nomad. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love the irony of the fact that you used to work with um, immigration and visas and things. And then you had an absolute nightmare, didn't you, getting your Spanish visa? Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So what a story. Basically, I got the the um, digital nomad visa, which came out literally last year, 2023. And I was waiting for it to come out. And I was reading information about the different rules and requirements. I was looking on the government website. Um, and it was just nothing was clear. Everything was contradicting each other. So first things first, I didn't know what I needed to apply. So but as soon as that visa became available, I was like, right, I'm applying for this. Um, contacted so many different lawyers in Spain to try and get an idea of what the requirements were. But I had a good idea already because I'd done so much thorough research. And I'd ask them questions and be like, to kind of test them like, so what's the financial requirement for this? And they tell me something like half the the actual reality of what the, the financial requirement was. Like say it was like 2000 euros per month they would say they were saying like 600 euros and I was like that's so off like it's just so wrong so I had a headache with that trying to work out how to actually apply for it but mm -hmm. then in the end, I found someone really helpful to to support me with it and it got sorted and it kind of went very well from there I got the visa in like 19 days which is like a record so once I got into the flow of it and understood what I needed to do it sorted itself out quite quickly so yeah <laughs> brilliant that doesn't um, hold out much hope for the rest of the population if if you couldn't figure out how to do it initially so that's a bit scary isn't it <laughs> I don't know how other people are, are getting their heads around it to be honest I guess the requirements are a little bit more clearer now that people have like tried and tested the process but when I applied no one had that visa no one had gone through it and got, got out the other end if you know what I mean yes and now you have, you're at the other end and you're a happy legal podcaster, which is amazing. So I so I know that you used to be in the same industry as me. You used to be a legal copywriter, um, helping businesses and individuals with their website content. So why the, why the shift into podcasts? What was the pivotal moment, shall we say, that, that made you decide to go down this road? It's a very, very good question, Becky. Um, I go on. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way I still do have um some um like writing copywriting clients who I you know still work with because I love working with them so it's like why not you know but anyway um I'd say I started a podcast uh, like a year and a half ago with my friend and I just loved the experience I just loved learning about podcasts I loved learning about creating and talking and constantly improving and connecting with audiences connecting with people and I love the feedback that we got from people you know oh I love your podcast I love that you've helped me to do this thing and it was just a really rewarding feeling and so I thought let's have a look at other podcasts and so 
I started to research law podcasts and I realized that there weren't any good ones. I was switching them off after like one minute. I was going through hundreds of podcasts and literally turning them off after like one or two minutes because they were lecturing me about law or they were um, had really long, boring, drawn out intros or they had they were talking about, you know, the backgrounds of the lawyers and nobody really cares about that sort of stuff. So I thought there's a real gap here, you know, there's a real gap for interesting, accessible law podcasts. And what a great way to connect with your audience and do a bit of brand awareness and even get new clients from it and monetize them. You know, there's so many things that you can get from from a podcast, especially if you, you know, do a video like this and use those video clips in other social media, you can recycle so much content from podcasts. So I thought, whoa, this is such a, a great thing to do. So I started offering it to my existing clients my copywriting clients and they were all like yes we need a podcast and they were all super excited about the idea of it so I thought this is a cool thing to do so then I started working on a few and then I was like actually I just love it so now I've started to talk about it more build authority on that type of topic and offer it to, to more people because it's for me it's just like the fun factor it's just fun. So why why not, you know? Why not do something fun? I mean, you've got a podcast. How like do you find it fun? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. And you're right about repurposing that content because here we are on a LinkedIn live. By the way, guys, if you do have any questions for me or Holly or comments or anything at all, pop them in the box and we'll get back to you. Uh, so not only are we here on LinkedIn Live, but then I repurpose this and literally whack it onto my podcast, which is super easy. And it's also streamed to YouTube as well. And then I've got the audio file and the video file that I can then clip and add to my social posts and do whatever with. So I find it really, really good. And you're right, that feeling when someone says, like, I listen to your podcast and I found it really entertaining or really valuable. And you think, oh, it just feels... I think it's a more personal way of connecting with your audience than, say, writing a blog or something like that. You you kind of get a bit more instant feedback, don't you? I totally agree with you. And I think if you're a company or you're an individual selling things or whatever, you know, self-employed, got your own business, I think, as you say, it is the best way to connect with your audience because they can really get to know you. There's nothing more personal than having someone in your ear, you know, talking and the sound of their voice and their personality, their uh, quirks, their laughter. You really get to know them and you can tell in in one episode if you want to work with them pretty much. And I have personally used services of people that I've listened to, that, that people who have, who've, have podcasts and I've listened to them um I've personally bought their services because I spent time with that person I feel like I've got to know them and I feel yeah. like they have connected with me and they're talking to me personally because if you speak in a way on a podcast where you're not saying like hey guys um sorry uh, Becky I know you say hi friends <laughs> you bet <laughs> the best the best way is to say hi friend because if you're, um, then then the, the listener is like, oh, they're talking to me. They're not talking to like anyone. It's more of a personal touch. So, so yeah, anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but 
Well, basically, it is a great way to connect with your audience. Yes, thank you. You did go off on a bit of a tangent there, but I shall forgive you because you're a delight. That's absolutely fine. So we were talking about being helpful on podcasts and repurposing. And I'd like to just add a little personal touch in there. So I had a LinkedIn Live last week and and I had a message um, from the back of it. And then I actually got on a, a call with this potential client who was really interested in my services. And, and the call that we had was just not really like a call that I've I've experienced before. I mean, it was like, you know, sometimes when you jump on a call with a prospect and you kind of almost have to sell yourself and explain why you, you know, you can do the job and maybe give some testimonials or some proof of what you do, that kind of thing. There wasn't any of that. It was such a lovely, genuine conversation. And I honestly felt that this particular guy, he just wanted to to just buy from me already before we'd even had that conversation because he he bought into me because of listening to me on the podcast. And then I don't know about you, but whenever I find someone good on a podcast, I then immediately want to go and absorb all the other information they've got everywhere. So I go to their website and then I want to learn more about them. And that's um and that's how that whole process works. It just really builds that trust factor. A hundred percent. That's amazing though, Becky. I think I think you've made it then. If that's happening to you, you've made it as a podcaster. Of course you have. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is so exciting. I can't believe it, Holly. Thank you. Ooh, I've made it, everybody. Okay, well, we'll, just leave, we'll just leave this here then, shall we? Mic drop. Yeah, definitely. No, because that's the purpose of, of a podcast. It's not only all the other things that we've mentioned, but it's also personal branding. That's probably the main one for me. Um, people knowing who you are and approaching you without you needing to explain what you do who you are where you've come from your background and all that stuff they don't they don't care about that because they already know you they already have connected with you they know your stories they know everything um and like you say you know they've probably like binged semi-binged your content before contacting you and they'll be in a position where they've they feel like they know you and they're already ready you know to kind of buy from you or whatever that is so yeah yeah, this is what you can get from a podcast that you can't really get from other things you know no and I think for law firms especially where clients need to feel reassured when they're looking for a lawyer and they might be in a really emotional situation they might have never been through the process before of instructing a lawyer those those kind of emotions can be really high at that stage where if you've if you've got a podcast for your law firm and you're putting that relatable content out there where people can engage with your lawyers and understand what they're about and feel like they know them i imagine that that process when they do get in touch is a is a lot better for everybody involved is that what you've experienced yes very true very very true yeah you can apply it to everything you know like that person who contacted you it's the same thing for law firms so what i suggest with law firms is that you're definitely getting your solicitors or whoever you need that works within the law firm to be at least a speaker on you know that podcast because what I do with some law firms um, that I create the podcasts for them is I interview the solicitors so 
they feel more comfortable because I'm controlling the conversation, I'm controlling the direction and they just answer the questions basically. So it's like a conversation and then we record it and it, it becomes the podcast, but it's focused on them, but I'm directing it, if you know what I mean. And they they really love that. And I find that the personality of the solicitors really comes out and they become really personable and well, they sound really personable and someone that people would want to approach. And especially when they tell stories about past cases that they might have dealt with, obviously not naming any names, but, you know, it scenarios that they've dealt with and stuff. And it really adds a personal touch. And I always say, you know, tell stories because that's what's going to engage your audience. That's what what's going to um, attract your ideal clients because they're going to be like, oh, if they can help with that, then they can help me. And they sound like a really nice person. Because I think with a lot of law firms, clients, um, clients can be a little bit scared to go to lawyers. I think, absolutely. especially, you know, if, if I, let's say I was going through a divorce or whatever, it's a very personal subject. And I'd be very, very, very worried and scared to go to a lawyer and be like, this is my situation. Can you help? Because you don't know how they're going to react and you really want someone who you can who you can connect with and who can empathize with you, you and stuff. So the thing that I would probably start doing now if I needed that type of, of, of advice would be to go to podcasts and listen to how the solicitors sound and, and then I can predict, okay, this is how they're going to be giving me advice and I can tell if they're nice or sympathetic or helpful and, and stuff like that. So it's something, it's a, it's a personal touch that you can't really get from other means like you can't get this from social media from their website it's it's different you know podcasting is different it is and it really feeds into that whole personal branding piece that I know is is getting bigger in the law field and I know a lot of solicitors do for instance do a lot on LinkedIn to showcase their talents and become more of a personality instead of being completely attached to their brand so I think we're definitely going in the right direction or how does how do law firms receive the idea of having a podcast? Because in my experience, um, they're not the the quickest industry, shall we say, to to take on new trends and things like that. Have you had positive responses from everybody you've spoken to? I've pretty much only have have had positive responses. The only response that was like semi negative, but it wasn't really that negative, was from one firm that was like, "Well, what are the benefits of a podcast?" And I guess that's just an educational thing, like. They didn't know what it what having a podcast involved, but I would say ninety-nine percent of the rest of them were like or are like, yes, this is definitely something that we need because I think they realize that they need to be more forward thinking if they want to keep up with other law firms, new emerging law firms and tech advances as well, you know. I guess with what you do I, I think I know with, with what you do because I had the same thing speaking to law firms is like educating them on why they need content isn't it is that what you find mm -hmm. yeah. definitely yes it is it's quite and it still continues to be an education piece you know you talk about things like SEO and website ranking and what your competitors are doing and talking in a way through your content that it actually engages your audience and makes sure they get in touch with you which in a lot of cases is, is not great on, on some firms that I see. So yeah, there's definitely some some improvements to be made, 100%. Yeah, definitely. 
but I think with podcasting, I don't know what it is, but they're, they all, they're all like mesmerized by the idea, I guess, because it's like a new thing, you know, a blog, blogs have been out for a while now. Um, to be fair, so have podcasts, but it's becoming more of an emerging thing amongst companies and especially within law companies as well. So I think they're just like, wow, this sounds like a cool thing that we should have. And they're just, I, I don't need to educate them on the, on the idea of a podcast like I did with the blogs, which is so weird to me. <laughs> yeah, but guys, don't forget your blogs, okay? We're not saying you shouldn't have blogs no. as well, okay? <laughs> We're not saying that. I mean, when approach, an approach that I've seen, which works with both, is if you do have blogs on your website, you can, um, it works actually both ways, but I think the, the best way it works is when you have a podcast to start with, you can put that video on your website and then you can create a blog around it and then, You've got a couple of different types of content that people can consume from you. Have you have you gone down that road as well before, Holly? Yeah, yeah. You need you definitely need both. And I always say, like to my clients, if you um, when we publish a podcast episode, turn it into a blog or like at least have an announcement about it on your blog because then you're building up that like not only SEO but also it's just that awareness and you're getting more listeners and people are able to consume your content in different ways. You know, people might not have time to read and um, they might want to listen or people might not have time to listen and they might want to read. So you need both. So, you know, <laughs> don't get rid of yeah. your blocks. <laughs> no, goodness me. That is not what we're saying. <laughs> so uh, we've had a couple of comments, which we'll go to now. So Zara has commented question for Holly, I think. Podcast versus YouTube video, which one is better? Both. Like, you should be creating the podcast into a YouTube video as well. Like, it should it should be both. Like, what you do, you know, better. you turn this into an audio and a YouTube video, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. This, it's, it doesn't need to be one or the other because it's, it's, yeah. both, it's the, both basically the same thing, you know. It's the same track. Yeah. It is, but it just means that there's more places for you to be visible, which is great. I mean, I didn't set up my YouTube channel. My amazing VA did it for me because I imagine that was a little bit of work to do. But now that I have it, it's fantastic because it means that people can find me on there, people can find me on my podcast and on LinkedIn. So you just appear in all the places all of the time, which is brilliant for your personal brand. So let's talk a little bit about the logistics of providing podcasts to your clients we've had a question from laura so thanks for your question as well when you provide podcasts to your clients are you featured on the podcast as a host or do you set up your clients to do episodes themselves and then edit so talk us through the the kind of process you go through it's a very very good question um basically i do both so with my existing clients they already know me and they like the idea of me guiding that conversation. So I will feature on those podcasts and be like, kind of like a host, I guess. But it would be more focused on the solicitor or the the, the member of the, um, the law firm, like whoever it is that's recording. Um, but then with other ones, they want to be the host. And to be honest, I think it's better if, if people can do it on their own without me. Because obviously, I don't. Uh, I only have a certain amount of time, and I can't help everyone like record everyone's podcasts. But 
I will then provide training on how to do it themselves, how to speak, um, what to say, the questions to ask. Um, so guide them through that so they're not like literally thrown in the deep end and, um, you know, given a, a mic and, and have to just record whatever. You know, they are prepared. And I also plan the episodes for them. So it's like they have a structure. They All they have to do is sit down and record and everything else is kind of been prepared and planned for them. Um, but then I do the editing for both sides. So whether I'm featured in the podcast or not, I will do everything. So all they literally have to do is approve the the um, idea, the topics, the outline, the content. And then next thing they know, it's literally just gone live. So they obviously approve the recording before it goes live. But I do everything like the show notes, putting it on to, you know, the different platforms. So it's like an end to end kind of service. Perfect. And that's really reassuring. And I'm assuming you provide information about the equipment that they'd need, kind of like, have you got any quick um, hints and tips as to what people would want to, to, sorry, I can't get my words out today. That's great for a podcast, isn't it? Any, um, any equipment tips that you've got for people that are starting out? Yeah, I'll give you a few quick tips. So basically, um, bare minimum would be what you're using so the airpods or earphones that have like a little mic attached to them that you can plug it you know yeah. like that you plug into it um a mobile phone um so that's like the bare minimum next one up would be just buying a little mic you can get like a usb mic or um quite a cheap cheap ones on on amazon for like you know 20 pounds or whatever and then the next one up to that would be something like this, which is more of like a gaming high-tech mic. Mm -hmm. um, but what I would say is do not under any circumstances use the mic that is installed into your computer because it gives off a really tinny sound. And what I'd say is try and test a few different things um, because I found one, one time I started recording and my mic was given off a buzzing sound on when I was recording it on Audacity, which is a software that you can use to record on. And it was given off a buzzing sound. So I was like, no, I can't have this. So I had to swap it with my like AirPods. So yeah. you have to kind of play around with it as well. But they're, they're just like some really quick tips, but please don't use your mic in your computer or in your phone. That's even worse. <laughs> okay there you go what not to do yes a mic is definitely on my wish list next I do need that now that obviously I've made it in the podcast world as you quite clearly said then I really feel really silly if I'm not having a mic now Goodness me. no no I think your quality is fine like just test out the quality and just see if a mic sounds better then it sounds better but because I think you're in quite a large room from what I can see um yeah a mic would just echo so you're probably better off using your airpods okay all good. I mean, I'm not a digital nomad, but I do move around my house <laughs> in different rooms to work, but mainly because we're having a load of a load of work done on our house. So I've gone from kitchen to lounge to my daughter's bedroom, which is where I'm currently in. And uh, once my office has been painted, then I'll be back in my office. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll stay there for a little while. So not traveling as far as you are, Holly, but I do it in my own little way. Um, well, being a digital nomad is quite subjective, isn't it? You know, you are well, one yeah, of the that's true. Yeah, absolutely. 
<laughs> We've had a couple of comments on a question. So Simone has said, Holly is brilliant. I listened to yours and Simone's podcast uh, last week. She did my first podcast and is awesome. And I would definitely agree. Her story was so interesting. So that was that was brilliant. Hey, hey, Simone. <laughs> hey, I Simone. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the shout out. So Hamish has asked a question. I wonder, Holly, from your perspective, how you see so many stakeholders focusing on having the whole house purchase process carried out by inexperienced and in many cases unqualified staff, not solicitors. Are podcasts a better way for conveyancing solicitors to try and redirect the traffic? I feel that unless some kind of action is taken, it's likely that demand for conveyancing solicitors is going to be seriously diminished. So, so, so can you rephrase that? Is he basically saying, is it a bit pointless slash is it beneficial for conveyancing solicitors to have a podcast? Yeah. Are podcasts a better way for conveyancing solicitors, do we think? I mean, I think any area of law, you could make it benefit you. So I guess it depends what you're what you're wanting to achieve from the podcast. So whether it's brand awareness, whether it's actually getting new clients, whether it's directing people to your website, it depends what the what the goal is, what the outcome is. So and, and it also depends on the company. So, I mean, yeah, it depends on what you're wanting to do, but I would say to direct people to your website, yes, it's a great way because it's not just the podcast, but record the podcast, take clips, put it all over social media, and that, and then you're getting direction from like literally so many different streams like Facebook, yeah. TikTok, uh, YouTube, you're everywhere. So that's the best way to attract people. You can even turn the, the um, what are they called? The, the snippets, the clips. Um, you can put them onto Facebook ads or Instagram ads. So you can yeah. regenerate them, repurpose them to direct traffic and getting new clients. It's not just like this one thing, which is the podcast. The podcast turns into millions of things, you know? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, absolutely agree. And Simone said, hey, hey, so she is obviously listening to us now. Lovely. So we've spoken a little bit about equipment and getting started from that perspective. If uh, there's somebody from a law firm that's listening slash watching right now, and they're not really sure what to talk about on a podcast, do you have any guidance? Oh, yes. Well, what I would say is go to your, I'm assuming they already have a blog. And you could potentially help with this, actually, Becky. If I someone could. wants a podcast, they, they'll go to the blog, have a look at their analytics, see which blog posts are performing the best, which are the most popular. This is the best starting point because then you know exactly why people are coming to you, what they're searching for on Google, and you can turn that blog post into more comprehensive content or more personal content. You don't even need to add much more detail, but you could just literally just make it more personal and sell your services and stuff. So that would be the best starting point. Um, what else? Go on to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, search to see what other law firms, competitors are doing and... A good way to do it is by looking at their, um, you know, you've got five star reviews on on Spotify. You can or and on Apple as well. You can look at the yes. reviews, see yes. how many reviews they've got. If it's popular, look at what they're talking about, and then you can get an idea and then just make that content better. Just literally make it into your own, but make it so much better. 
and then distribute it on all these different channels, you know, on social media and stuff. And then you've got like a great starting point for a podcast there. Yeah, that's that's a really good idea. And also bear in mind that it doesn't have to be really, really lengthy. Like you don't have to go on and talk for two hours about a topic. You can have shorter ones as well. So I sometimes say to clients that don't know what to blog about, think about those frequently asked questions that your clients are asking you all the time that they need answers on. Um, and then that gives you a really good starting point too. So you could even go onto a podcast and go, I don't know, frequently asked questions about conveyancing. We're going to address these today. And all you need is a bullet pointed list of the questions that you get asked all the time and you can answer them. And that's providing that relevant, valuable information to your clients that are listening. Yeah, definitely. That's the best place to start. Just note down what people are asking. So then you know what what's popular, what people are looking for. And then... You could even, like you say, turn it into a podcast, answer um, the frequently asked questions, and then every frequently asked question, turn it into a TikTok video. Um, yeah. And Bob's your uncle. Bingo, you've got it. That's that also yes. to advertise a law firm. <laughs> I love it. And I think if you are going to the effort to do something like video yourself, create a podcast, repurpose that content as much as possible it's it's a, such a time efficient way of, of doing things Definitely. um zara's asked us something else is it better for one person talking or a discussion between two people do you have a personal preference holly i do indeed <laughs> i think this would you is... like to share it <laughs> <laughs> having a back and forth conversation not a q a style thing um obviously you need to ask questions but you do ask questions in conversations anyway but having a back and forth conversation about a topic is hands down the most interesting way of, you know, talking about a boring to a boring topic, I'll say, law. Um, but in saying that, some, I have found some other um, podcasts are great when it's like solo episodes, you know, just one person talking. Depends on the host, if they are really interested, they've got loads of stories, they've got great uh, tone of voice where they, they change their like intonation and this, they sound interesting, a bit like Simone. She sounds really interesting when she talks. Um, I would say that solo episodes are, are the best. But if you're wanting to get a bit more depth out of a conversation, then having a conversation with two people or even three people is probably a better way to go. Okay, cool. I hope that answers your question, Zara, and whether you're considering delving into the podcast world. Let's have a quick chat about consistency, which is something that I say a lot when it comes to website content. Literally no point in bossing a blog up and then not doing anything for three months. It's, it's probably going to do less for you than, than what you're hoping. So mm -hmm. is there a sweet spot in terms of how often to podcast, Holly? I would say that it depends on how much traction you want to get out of it. So you're not going to get much traction if you post one time per month. But if you're, so let's say you're wanting to get an actual audience, build up an audience from it, you need more frequent um, podcast episodes. So I'd say minimum two per month. But it's also depending on how consistent you can be with it. If you can only be realistically consistent what with one episode per month and stick to that and then build up don't you know produce one per week and then you can't keep up with that because consistency 
is pretty much the most important thing that you can do when it comes to podcasting and probably content in general. But just as a um, like a reference point, so mine and my friend's podcast, which is about freelancing, we, after a year and a half, we've started to um, build up the, <clears throat> the most amount of listeners and people have found us now as opposed to back then. And that's through a year and a half of being consistent. So the more consistent you are, the more it snowballs, if you know what I mean. So yes. that's yes, the best. Absolutely. And I think there are a lot of parallels between what you and I do and content in general. I remember when I first started my newsletter, um, shout out to Katie, who's been helping me with my newsletter there. And she said that you've just got to think about the the minimum that you can achieve. Like if it's once a month, stick to that. If it's once every two weeks, stick to that. But you need to think about, can I actually achieve this? Is this is this doable for me? And it's exactly the same with podcasts as well. I think we've answered Dara's question because she said thank you. So that's all good. We have another question from Laura who said, do you think anyone can record a podcast? Or do you think some people are more natural than others? Do you have to let clients down easy? And then she's gone with the emoji with like the, their hands over her face. <laughs> the good um, question. The good question. It's a very, very good question. I think I would say most people can record podcasts because like, for example, let's take me. So when I first started recording, I've, Oh, I'm not kidding you. Have you ever seen Finding Nemo? Uh, yes. <laughs> Do you know the tur turtle? Like the, tur the surfer dude turtle? Yes. I thought I sounded like that, like a dude. You know, like, hey, dude. Like, really, like, just dead relaxed, monotone. Like, I just thought, I sound like the turtle of Finding Nemo. I need to change this. So... People naturally, when they talk, a lot of people are not going to be naturally good at talking. I think you're good at talking because you have a, you've got a good voice, but it like, it's interesting and it changes. It's not monotone, but you can change the way that you talk. Over time, I've had to learn to make myself sound a bit interesting, and I still, I still don't think I sound that interesting. <laughs> but I try to, you know, liven up a little bit. So you can learn how to change the way that you speak. And I think this is what I kind of help law firms with and like my clients with like lawyers with in general is learning how to be entertaining, I guess, and, and be interesting. So in theory, yes. But let's say you're a law firm, you know, out of ease, just choose the best speaker, you know, just choose the best person to speak who sounds the most interesting. But if you're an individual, don't worry if you sound, if you think you sound boring, it can be changed, you know. Yes. Okay. And I guess if you are doing a two-person style conversation, then rely on the interviewer as well because you'll be guided a lot by that. It's not like you're just going to be left a flounder and with not knowing what to say. A good interviewer will be able to fill in those gaps and ask the right questions at the right time. And yeah, uh, I don't think exactly. I don't think your voice is boring, Holly. I think you've got a lovely voice. So. Oh, thank you, Becky. I think you're biased, though. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe I am. I was going to say a moment ago, actually, I will put a link into the show notes for your podcast that you run with your lovely friend, Charlotte. And I was a guest on that 
at the back end of last year, which is lovely. So it's actually really nice that we've been in role reversal positions where I was a guest on yours and now you're a guest on mine. So that's yeah. really, really nice yeah. and lovely stuff. So let's finish off briefly. I think if anyone else has got some more questions, now is the time to pop it in the chat. Is there any final advice that you would give to law firms or legal professionals that are looking to start their podcast? Is it a case of, right, just get up and do it, decide tomorrow? Or are there things that you think they should maybe put in place before they do that? Very good question, Becky. I would say if they're thinking about starting a podcast, firstly, think about a few different things. What are they trying to achieve from that podcast? Is it to get new clients? Is it to uh, build up an audience? Is it to monetize in different ways? Is it to make connections with ideal clients? Um, by inviting them on as guests? Is it to network? What's the reason behind it? And then the next step would be, how are you going to achieve that? So what would you talk about? Um, where would you put it? So I think also looking at the resources in, that you have in place, because creating a podcast is not an easy thing. It takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of kind of skill in terms of editing and um, knowing the right, you know, tech equipment to use and stuff like that and making it sound like professional. So I think they need to look at the resources that they have and go from there because it needs to be professional of good quality and they need to be consistent with it if they want to, you know, really make a good go of it. I have a few people, a few clients who said to me, oh, we'll give it a go. And I'm like, no, that's that's literally the wrong approach to start off with. You can't. It's not a give it a go thing. Yes, you can see how it goes, do a season, see how it goes, what traction you get and stuff like that. But this is a long-term commitment because building a podcast is like building an asset. It is something that will get you results for years to come. And it is a great way to attract um business and opportunities and connections it is a brilliant tool to use so I would say think about how you can do it think about the resources you, that you've got and get help if you need it you know you can get help from professionals whether that's getting editors in whether that's training up your staff to be able to run podcasts whatever, whether that's getting someone like me who can help from the, you know, the end-to-end -end, um, production and management of it all. Mm -hmm. And that's it, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think I know the answer to this question, but we've just had another quick one, which is can you do it on a shoestring budget? Which I guess you can. It's perfectly possible to get your AirPods out and get going, isn't it? A hundred percent. Me and Charlotte, my co-host, of my one of my podcasts um we did it <laughs> we did it for free so we use free editing software we learned how to do everything ourselves we um to be fair actually we did buy a mic that was 20 pounds but that's because we wanted the quality but we could have used the airpods like stuff we already had but we we wanted that um we posted it for free we did, everything was for free you can do it for free and of pretty good quality as well. So just, yeah, it's it's definitely possible. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I hope that um, this 
has inspired you all today to get going with your own podcast. And if there's any questions that you have, I'm sure Holly would love to hear from you. So what's the best way to get in touch, Holly? Probably the best way is to find me on LinkedIn and just send me a DM and then we can go from there. Yes, absolutely. So thanks for listening and tuning in, everybody. We will be back again next Wednesday with the next episode. And thank you so much for coming on, Holly. It's been a delight to see you in the hot seat for a change. And over and out. Thanks so <laughs> Bye much. now.